This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. If I ask you to name two names who were famous for being a romantic couple, the names that immediately come to mind for me, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Yep, Bogey and Bacall. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. With that this seductive line, delivered with a steely glare and husky voice, the world was introduced to a screen siren for the ages, Lauren Bacall. The line later named the 34th greatest in the history of cinema was delivered in Howard Hawks to Have and Have Not and written by none other than William Faulkner. And the dumbstruck man on the receiving end of that double entente was Humphrey Bogart, who at age 44 had a quarter of a century on this sultry 19-year-old ingenue. It was the beginning of a beautiful romance, one that would become part of Hollywood lore. February 29, 1944. It was the first day of shooting on To Have and Have Not, and Bacall's first scene in her first film would be one of its most memorable, the hallway entrance. With her glamorous character, Slim Browning purring, Anybody got a match? The two stars were constantly joking and flirting with each other on set, with Bacall reducing the stoic bogey to a giggling schoolboy. And then it happened. According to Bacall, he was standing behind me. We were joking as usual. When suddenly he leaned over, put his hand under my chin, and kissed me. Well, from there, the two were attached to the hip, referring to each other by their character names Slim and Steve. Joy Barlow, a dancer taken on for the cafe scene, said they were really smitten with each other. They were always disappearing. And that was when directors told the company, okay, take a break, be back in 15, and the rest of us, well, we'd be right back there, but they would disappear into one or another of the dressing rooms, and sometimes 15 minutes ran a little longer. And we just thought, oh, what the heck. And had come out looking very happy, a little mussed up, but nothing you couldn't fix. We're fortunate that they teamed up in a radio series we've been featuring lately here on Theater of the Mind, Bold Venture, with Bogey and McCall as two fishing boat operators in the Bahamas. Tonight's episode aired two years after their marriage, Engaged in Murder. <laughs> Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. Once again, the magic...
magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. Feels good, huh, sailor? Morning sun in your face, the Caribbean wind in your hair. How else would it feel? That's what I said. Good. How does it look on me? Well, let me consider it. Yeah. You at the wheel of our boat, the sun on your lips, square patch on your dungarees. We finished this fishing trip, sailor. You go buy a midi blouse with an extra pair of pants. Gee, Willick is daddy. You make me feel like a girl who was born with a silver ladle in her mouth. Come closer, kid, and I'll lipstick a thank you on your brow. You want to show gratitude, go aft and thank Mr. Jeffrey. He's paying for the trip. I tried. I went aft. Gentle and furry as a kitten. I said thank you for hiring us, Mr. Jeffrey. Thank you for the payment we will receive when we set you ashore with your load of fish. Thank you, I said. And what did he say? He grunted. So I flounced off. So I left him to his rod and reel. Well, so long as he pays us, you won't let a grunt stand between him and you, huh, sailor? Jeffrey came to me, hired the boat for a fishing trip for him and a friend. But the friend never showed up. That cuts our profits in half. So he'll buy only one pair of pants. Let me finish, huh? So he hires our boat. If he wants to sit there and fish in lonesome splendor, not talk to anyone, grunt. That's his right. That's... Hey, he's got a strike. Listen to that line sing. Hey, Jeffrey, you got a big one, a beauty. Look at that sport go. Oh, let him run a little more. Now, now reel in. Reel in. What's the matter, kid? Don't freeze up now. I said reel in. Ah, you lost him. You had a picture fish and you lost him. Jeffrey. Hey, Jeffrey, what's the matter with you? What? I heard the line snap, Slate. What's with this, Jeffrey? An amateur? How does he let a beauty like that get away from it? I'll tell you how, sailor. He died. He's dead. That's how. I wish you'd say something, Rico. Pensive. In thought. I am thinking about it. Oh, stop here for a minute. Of course, of course, as you wish it. Amy. Shh. That diamond's winking at me. The blue one. It's about three carats. I'll want that one, Rico. In my wedding ring. From you to me. Because I love you. And you can afford it. You could buy me a sack full out of the small change you carry. Amy. Mm-hmm. Amy, you are sure. About Senor Jeffrey, I mean. The Senor from Iowa. It is no longer between you and Senor Jeffrey what it used to be. That's what's bothering you, huh? See. Rico, listen to me. Matt Jeffrey showed up in Havana a couple of days ago. Oh, I'll admit it. There was a flutter when he called. I met him this morning for breakfast and to go fishing. When I saw him, I laughed to myself because I was happy. Happy? Because I knew he didn't mean anything to me. Just you, Rico. That's why I left Matt Jeffrey before we went in the restaurant. And that's why I came running to you without even changing. Hmm. Buy me a wedding ring, Rico. Congratulations.
congratulate me, Senor Shannon, Senorita Duval. You did something, LaSalle? A beautiful thing. A clever thing. I have apprehended the murderers of Matt Jeffrey. He was murdered? Well, the man died quietly on our boat. There was no one around. Only was... you and Senor Shannon. And inside the dead man, enough poison to have killed him three times over. Matt Jeffrey was murdered. If you say so, and you've got his murderers. I'm glad for you and for Jeffrey. Who are they? You and you. Please sign your confessions. We will shake hands and we will still be friends. Here, sign. All written out for us, huh, LaSalle? Hmm. Well, read me the small print where it says why we killed him. I left the spaces blank for you to fill in. Because I also could not puzzle why you want dead. A man who is so poor he must live in Havana in a mouse hole like the Las Flores Hotel. A man who digs into his savings to hire your boat for fish. A man who... How much dough you got on you, sailor? Three bucks and a dime. Why? Well, let's see. I've got, uh... Yeah. $42. That makes 45 and a dime for a candy bar. Enough for bail, LaSalle? For 45 pesos, you expect that I... Well, would... here's another buck. I was holding it out for cab fare. Come on, sailor. Let's go fill in the blank spaces on why we killed a man. Here's 20 centavos back, senor. Take a streetcar. A streetcar named, we desire you to come back to the pokey. Come back. Or we bring you back on a Tommy gun rickshaw. Hey, here, I hear. I don't know, why don't you pay attention to us? It is so seldom, senor, that a man brings his blushing bride to this hotel for a honeymoon that I... And beside myself with frenzy and delight. And now I can do for you what? Didn't you have a guest here named Matt Jeffrey? Uh, <laughs> this desk bell would just about fit in the middle of that yawn, Chico. All right, you ask Put for it. Put the bell down, Slate. Chico. Chico, look at me. You know something, Chico? You're the cutest little old Chico I've seen all day. Observe, senorita, when I yawn. Gold teeth flash. Twenty-three gold teeth in my mouth. I have a friend who has twenty-five gold teeth. They are expensive. How much? Ten pesos. Current fee for the bicuspid of gold. You'll get it. What about Matt Jeffrey? This morning he walked out into the Havana daylight. Before he left for the daylight, he made two calls through the telephone in his room through the switchboard at my left, out into the world of hustle and bustle. Ten pesos, senor, for the numbers he called, and so that I may eat with gold. Yeah, here. And here for you. I give you thanks. Here's two nickels, sailor. Use that payphone on the wall. Call these numbers. Right. Norton's Art Shop. Norton speaking. Who? Norton. Ray Norton. Oh, sorry. I got the wrong number. First one was Norton's Art Shop, Slate. Try the other one. Okay. Hello? Hello. This is Mary, the Sunshine Girl. Your phone number has been selected to receive a spiffy prize of one year's free service. May I have your name and address, please? Amy Webb, 
One, two, one, two, Posey Arroyo. Free service for what? Got him, Slate. Let's go. Yes? I'm Slate Shannon. This is Sailor DeVal. And? I took a man named Matt Jeffrey on a fishing trip this morning. He died. Poison. Come in. This is a cozy nook. What did this coffee table set you back, honey? Don't I know you? Maybe. I don't remember. What do you two characters want? Matt Jeffrey called you a couple of hours before he died. If it twists you inside, you can call me, too. What about Matt Jeffrey? He's a nice fellow. Had shoulders. Went good with tall corn. You got shoulders, too. Why don't you get rid of the drab girls, Blake? See? I'm biting my lip. I'm being very nice. I'm behaved. Well, the police are in on this, Amy. Maybe we can save you some grief. I'll go along with that. Matt was a boy from Iowa I was engaged to once. We rubbed cheap at college dances. He showed up in Havana. Called me a couple of nights ago. I saw him this morning. He called you this morning, too. To make final arrangements for the day. Breakfast, then a fishing trip. Well, huh? Did you have breakfast with him? Mm-hmm. We were crossing an alley. A cat ran by and rubbed itself against his trousers. Matt kicked the cat in the face. You think I'd want to spend a day with a... Amy, I... Oh, oh, I don't know you have people. I don't have them. They're leaving. Who are you? Uh, Permit my introduction. I am Rico Sebastian. Beloved by her, and so engaged. You're a lucky man. You are lovely this evening, Amy. In two weeks, you will be to me. No more flying airplane trips to Iowa to see your mother. No more meeting of fellow youth like my Jeffrey. Shh, Don't... darling. You're embarrassing the sunshine girl. Goodbye, you two. Get out. Wouldn't have it any other way. Come on, sailor. What now, Brain? Now let's try another wrong number. Let's try Norton's art shop. You've come all the way down to this nook of old Havana just because a man named Matt Jeffrey called me this morning? Uh-huh. He had another reason, too. Jeffrey died on our boat this morning of murder. So you see, Mr. Norton, why we go around Havana looking in nooks and crannies. You never know what you'll come up to. And you came up with me, one of the artists, folks. I want to tell you about me. I found my soul in Havana. Why, you'd be surprised the people that bring their photographs to me to paint a lifelike portrait from. What would Jeffrey want it? Picture painted from a snapshot? Oh, not of him, of his pussycat. That man's crazy about cats. He brought me a photograph of Tabby. I had a copy made to paint from, mailed him back his original. Crazy about cats, huh? We heard different place. We heard he was a cat kicker. Well, we must have heard wrong, sailor. Mr. Norton here says Jeffrey was mad for cats. Mr. Norton wouldn't lie, would Mr. Norton? Indeed I wouldn't. I'll just prove it to you. I'll go in the back room and bring out the portrait I did of Tabby, Mr. Jeffrey's cat. You just wait here. Hurry back, Mr. Norton. I just can't wait to hear more about your soul and the pussycat. Goody. Only be a minute. Ah! Help! Norton, what happened? Slate. <clears throat> maybe we can get help. For you. Maybe for me, not for Norton. He can't wait that long. He's just been shot to death. <laughs> 
Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and the second act of our story. On a fishing trip, a man did go, cast his bait, and what do you know? When a fish nibbled and yanked on line, man took a deep breath for very last time. This seems to be the custom of the day, and I will explain exactly what I say. Another fellow who was clever with paint met a pistol bullet, and now he ain't. And I'm just living for the second that LaSalle finds out we were the last ones to have talked to him. And LaSalle will find out, Miss Taylor. He wants Slate to hear you. I heard him, Taylor. LaSalle won't play with us this time. This time we're in it good. If I can understand one thing, I wouldn't feel so bad. Pardon, Senor Simon. Well, hello, Rico. Glad you're here. Sit down. On matters of urgency, I do not see it. My fiance, the Senorita Amy Webb, is in difficulty. Your name comes first to the lips of those in Havana who wish to skirt the police. Those who have difficulties and cannot discuss it to authorities come to Senor Shannon. These I have heard, and I am willing to pay for the privilege. Now, let's skip the pay, Rico. For now. When Amy came back from a vacation to visit her mother in the Estados Unidos, in your estado of Iowa, she commenced to be blackmailed. Yeah, that would fit. I don't know how exactly, but it would fit. And so, the phone call to her. Pay me $20,000 for some information, the man said, about one hour ago. Says to meet him with money at the Arribadero docks, near the port agent's shack at 11. Listen to me, Rico. Tell her to do it. I'll be there. I'll be in the doorway of that port agent's shack. Tell Amy to walk past me. Keep walking back and forth past me. So if anyone approaches her, I'll know it. Yes, yes. And tell her not to talk to me. Above all, she's not to talk to me. No one must know I'm there. Got that? Si, senor. I have it exactly. You, Rico? See me, all my beloved. May I come in? So formal, Rico. The gentle tap, the polite request. We're going to be married, remember? Come in, please. I've been to Shannon. He has agreed to help you, to give you protection. For money? What does he want? What matters is that he will hold you from harm. So I'm to go ahead and rub noses with the blackmailer on the dock, huh? You are not to speak to him. You are to make no outcry. You are only to walk. So Shannon will know you are there. He'll know, too. Blade will know I know. That's all? You didn't buy me anything? A little present? A little happy, happy? I 
did not think any. I only... How greedy I am, too. You gave me Shannon. What more could I want? I guess. Oh, there's blood in the cheek. Yeah, well, bullets do that to my cheek, Amy, when they graze it. Why did you cry out? I told you not to. I'm a girl. Situations like this upset me. Yeah. He got away. Your blackmailer's a buddy of mine, Amy. He's got teeth that shine in the dark. didn't get Amy's blackmailer. That's why we're going back to that man in the flea bag, huh? Your vision of penance for a deed not done. A guy out of yawn that enchanted me. You mind? Long ago, Slade, I learned not to Bully mind. Bully for you. After me, sailor. Hi, Chico. Guess who? Please, Andalay, go away. Do not stand and gloat on me. Late's eager to see you yawn again, Chico. Yawn for the man. Yeah, do that, Chico. Flash the gold. Ten paces if you open your mouth wide. You tarnish my gold by customers with my blood, senor. You left a double empty space in the jobbers. What more do you want? I got two of your teeth, huh, Chico? Meet a blackmailer, sailor. I spoil it. My message, I lousy. it. Amateurs should not play this game that is murder on teeth. Oh, you fouled up on the blackmail, but you got to kill two men. Matt Jeffrey by poison. Ray Norton by bullet. You've had a busy day, little old Chico. You are both very slap-happy people, no? Sure we are, Chico. I'm going to slap you right down to police headquarters. That way I'll beat a couple of murders off my shoulders. On your feet, golden oh, boy. Take your hand for my tear-stained jacket and I will explain. Yeah, do that, Chico. With my hand on this stain, here. A letter came from my once-room guest, Matt Jeffrey. After he is deceased, I open it. Picture him. Blackmail picture to a man with brains. More brains than to me. So you called Amy Webb? Well, who else to call? She has had photographs in Havana papers because she will marry Havana millionaire. Who else to call? Where's the picture? In my beach shack on Vedaro Beach. The dirtiest one. The painted red and blue. The one in the shakiest stilt under a loose board in the floor. We check you with the police, Chico. Then we check a loose board. Coming, golden boy? <laughs> Set under a loose board. Would have been easier if he'd set under a tight board. What isn't loose in here? Lift them up, sailor, one by one, till we find the treasure. <laughs> We're having fun, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, what'd you say? Oh, I said it's a moonlight night and the sea is bright and I'm as jolly as can be. What'd you think I said? It sounded more like. <laughs> 
Hey, I think I... Yeah, I found him, sailor. Blackmail stuff, huh? Let me peek. Huh. Amy in a junior swimsuit. Matt Jeffrey in pinup shorts. And both leaning against a brand new car. That's all? Take another look. Where are they? Hmm. To me, it looks like Miami. I've been to Miami. And to me, it looks like Miami. Kill me, it is Miami. Yeah. Cozy piece of blackmail. That's blackmail to be in my... Slate. Quit snapping your gun. That's a rifle, sailor. Someone's trying to kill us. Come on. Get through here, sailor. This back door. Dive into the water. The last one in is a dead duck. Senor Shannon, Senorita Duval, please come in. Amy, tell me what happened to your cheek, Senor. I will pay for the scar it leaves. We charge by the footage. Where's Amy? I will get her. Amy, Amy, darling, we have visitors. Senor Shannon, Senorita Duval. I heard Rico say he'd pay you for your scar, mate. I want to contribute, too. You touch one inch of that scar, sis, and you'll have a few of your own. I just want to let you two know that I've got this thing wrapped up now. Take a look at this wet picture, Rico. Wet, because when we get a picture like this, we like to swim around with it. Especially when there's someone urging us onward with a rifle. Go on, take a look at it, Rico. Tweaking, isn't it, Rico? Look at it, Amy. I thought you were an Iowa three weeks ago. I told you I was. That means I was. But this picture... It was taken seven years ago, Miami. Matt and I were on the debating society for our college. We went to Miami to debate. Who won, sis? Yeah, tell us about it. You are lying, Amy. This picture was taken recently. Here, see in the background. This year's model car. This could not be taken seven years ago. Recently, when you said you were with your mother, you were with Matt Jeffrey. So I went to Miami. So what if I did? So you killed Matt Jeffrey, poisoned him. That's so what if you did. I asked you to throw them out, Rico. Amy. Poisoned him at breakfast. He died on our boat. Matt Jeffrey, blackmailer number one. Murdered man number one. Amy killed someone else? All of you. Crazy. That little artist, Ray Norton, the man who got hold of one of these pictures. Blackmailer number two. Murdered man number two. Poor Amy. Poor, poor Amy. Because you wanted my wealth. You could have told me, Amy. Crazy. And the blackmail goes on. A hotel clerk who opened Matt's mail. You dreamed up a story, Amy, a good one, told it to Rico, a story that made it look like the clerk murdered the other two. The clerk I was supposed to capture on the waterfront, maybe kill. Truly, I am sorry, Amy. Amy, put down that gun. Get out of my way. I'll kill him. Amy, do not... Rico. Rico, I didn't mean... It wasn't for you. I wanted... You got in the way, Rico. Rico, you can't die. You can't. Quick down, Amy. Uh, murdered man number three. I was wrong. I didn't think she'd cry. Yeah, you were wrong. Now go home, sailor. I'll take it from here.
Isn't this wonderful slate? Sailing along, calm sea, beautiful day. Yeah, you better head back to Havana. It's going to rain. You're crazy. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's going to rain. Head back. What makes you think it's going to rain? My new scar, this one on my cheek, it twitches. When this scar acts up, it's going to rain. How can you tell that? You haven't had that scar long enough. Look, sailor, I got scars all over. One for snow, one for hail, one for hurricane, one for tornado, and one for cloudy. There's new ones for rain. It twitches, huh? Yeah. What does this do to it? Keep on doing that, sailor. I'm getting a message. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Snow, rain, hail. Sailor, the bottom's going to drop out of the barometer tonight. And so, our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, together in Bold Venture. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Lucille Ball is next on My Favorite Husband and the show that first aired in 1950. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of dessert. And now, Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers, it's a beautiful spring day. And Liz is just going into the kitchen to talk to Katie, the maid. Oh, Katie. Yes, Mrs. Cooper. Katie, I've been talking to Mr. Cooper about a raise for you. Uh-oh. What kind of an uh-oh is that? Oh, whenever you want me to do something I won't like, you dangle a raise in front of me. Oh, I was hoping you'd forget. You've got a memory like an elephant. I guess it comes from working for peanuts. <laughs> Pardon me, Mrs. Cooper, I didn't That's mean. okay, Katie, but I'm serious about the raise. Now, you deserve it, and I don't want anything from you. You don't want anything? Well, hardly anything. Let's have it. Well, this is the day we decided to do the spring cleaning, remember? Well, that's funny. I'd forgotten all about it. Oh, come now, Jumbo. <laughs> I'll make a deal with you. You forget about spring house cleaning, and I'll forget about the raise. Oh, I can't, Katie, but don't worry. It isn't going to be half as hard this year. 
Why not? I know where I can get you an extra pair of strong arms. Won't it make my shoulders too crowded? <laughs> no, Katie. I mean, George is going to help us. He is? When did he say that? As soon as I tell him about it. <laughs> I thought so. Well, this year I'm going to put my foot down and George is going to help. Last year, who did all the heavy work? I did. <laughs> who waxed all the floors and washed all the windows? I did. Who carried the trunks up to the attic and repainted the lawn furniture? I did. I did everything. Darn right, and I'm getting sick and tired of it. <laughs> An old elephant thanks you. That's all right. When you die, just leave me your tusks. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, I've been married five times, and I know there's only one good way to get a man to help with the spring cleaning. Shame him into it. Shame him into it? Yes. If he comes home and sees you carrying things that are too heavy for you and just working like a horse, he'll offer to help you. Oh, Katie, that's a wonderful idea. George will be home any minute. Help me get the piano up on my back. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Hey, George boy, glad you came in. I wanted to tell you I won't be able to make our golf date this afternoon. Uh, business. Oh, well, I'll find something to do. Uh, why don't you just stay here and dictate to your new secretary, Gladys? Mm -hmm. That's what I came to see you about, sir. I'll have to do something about her. It sounds like you already have. <laughs> From what I hear, Gladys is sweet on you. Well, she certainly has no reason to be. Uh, and do you know what she calls you in front of the other girl? No, and I'm not interested. Yeah, you know, okay, okay, boy. I won't force it on you. What's she call me? <laughs> she calls you <laughs> Cuddles Cooper. <laughs> You sly devil, you. <laughs> All right, that's very funny, but, but I'm not getting my work done. Can't you transfer Gladys and get me someone else? Oh, now, give her a chance. George, she's young. Why don't you have a talk with her? Well, how can I? She comes into the office and sits there looking at me like a cocker spaniel. What can I say to her? Have you tried? Here, Gladys, here, Gladys. <laughs> Look at this note she left on my desk. Oh, let's see. Oh, what a lucky girl am I who wouldn't like to be me, who wouldn't like to have a boss so handsome, blonde, and dreamy. Yeah. You see what I mean? Uh, now that I look at you, George, you are sort of dreamy. <laughs> oh, Mr. Ratterberry. Are you going to give me another secretary or not? Well, I'll tell you what, George. Think it over. And if you still feel this way Monday, I'll find someone in the office who will trade secretaries with you. Maybe Joe Ridgely. Oh, that'll be fine. Yes, I'm sorry about the golf game this afternoon. Oh, that's all right. I'm sort of tired anyway. It'll be nice to roll around the house all afternoon doing nothing. Eh, wish I could. Well, so long, cuddle. Ah. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, Mr. Cooper's coming up the wall. Okay, I just have to pick up this bucket here by the door. Oh, here, let me help you. You can't carry that big bucket of ashes by yourself. Oh, yes, I can. It's not heavy. 
See? I don't well, understand. Well, just because I want George to think it's heavy doesn't mean it has to be heavy. I filled it up with paper and just sprinkled an inch of ashes on the top. Oh, that's tricky. Oh, you'd be surprised how heavy it's going to be when George gets here. Hey, honey, I'm home. Oh, now it gets heavy. Uh, I'm in here, George. Oh, hi, Liz. <laughs> Hello, George. How are you? Hi there. What's new? Not much. What's new with you? <laughs> you uh, feel all right, Liz? Your your voice sounds funny. Oh, I'm all right. I'm just carrying these ashes outside. <laughs> oh, honey, you shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't? No, you're liable to spill ashes on the rug. <laughs> well, I should have known. Uh, should have known what? Should have known better than to be subtle. I thought if you saw me struggling with this heavy bucket of ashes, you'd leap up and help me. Well... Other men help their wives with the heavy work, and there's no reason why you shouldn't help with the spring house cleaning. Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt me to do a little work. That's right. Make excuses. Look, Liz, I said I'd be glad to help. The one time in the year when I asked you to do something around the house and... You did? Sure. <laughs> oh, uh... Hey, here, I'll take my coat off and tackle that can of ashes right now. Well, all right. Oh, no, George, I'll carry this. No, no, nonsense. It's much too heavy for you. Well, you can hardly lift it. Oh, but but I'd rather... I, Out I of can... the way. I'll show you how a man lifts a heavy thing like this. One, two, three. <laughs> what happened? Who hit me? Well, where'd the can go? Oh, my, you're strong, George. Yeah. You tossed it clear across the room. Get up off the floor. What a dirty trick, filling the ash can with paper. Well, if you're going to play that way, you can do your own housework. Hello, Mr. Cooper. Hello. Well, what's wrong with him? Oh, my trick backfired. We just lost two strong arms. Oh, well... I've been cleaning out Mr. Cooper's den, and I don't know what to do with this box. What's in it? Oh, some old letters. They look like love letters to Mr. Cooper. Oh, well, ask him what he wants to do. Love letters to Mr. Cooper? I think so. It's a woman's handwriting in purple ink. Well, I'll ask him what oh, he wants. just wa a second, Katie. I'll take care of those. Here. You're not going to read them, are you? Of course not. Whatever gave you an idea like that? I don't know. Something about the way you picked that one up and opened the flap. <laughs> well, you're right. It's addressed to George, and I'm not going to read it. Good for you. Here, you read it to me. <laughs> what? Then if George asks me if I read it, I can say no with a clear conscience. Go ahead, Kitty. Let's see what George's correspondence sounded like in his dear old bachelor days. Well, <clears throat> Dear Poopy Whoopy. Oh. Although we have just met, I feel I've known you always. Now, there's an original thought. No matter where I go, I see your face before me. That's why I'm throwing myself at your feet. His face isn't that bad. Then it finishes up with a poem. 
If you want me to holler whoopy, then say you'll be my cupy coopy. <laughs> signed droopy. <laughs> no, it's signed anxious. Well, there's a masterpiece of understatement. Are there any more from her, Katie? Oh, yes, there's a whole pile of them. But this is the best one of the bunch. <laughs> Why, Katie, let me see the rest. Okay. It's this pile marked G.C. from E.E. Uh-oh. No, E.E. <laughs> Never mind, Katie. I just remembered who wrote that letter. Who? Shake hands with E.E., formerly anxious. <laughs> you wrote them? That's right. Boy, I, I really must have been anxious. I sent it special delivery. <laughs> Well, I'll deliver it to the attic. Wait a minute, Katie. I know how I can get George into a good humor again. How? If I didn't remember that letter, George won't either. I'm going to seal it up and tell him it was just delivered. I'll pretend to be real jealous and think it's from another woman. You're playing with fire, Mrs. Cooper. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. You'll get a big kick out of it. It would be different if there was the slightest possibility of another woman, but not with George. Why, he's... He's just good old George. <laughs> He's a man, isn't he? <laughs> oh, Katie, you just stick around. This is going to be fun. Here he comes now, Mrs. Cooper. Okay. George? George? Yes? Oh, there's a letter on the table. It just came. Mail? On Saturday afternoon? Yes, it's for you. It came special delivery. Why don't you open it and see who it's from? All right. Dear Coopy, whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, no. Who's it from, George? Uh, uh, the gas company. <laughs> Oh, how come the gas company sends you a special delivery? You got bigger burners? <laughs> I, uh, uh, forgot to pay the bill. Oh, and they wrote to you in purple ink. George, are you and the gas company going steady? <laughs> Look, let, let's just forget it, Liz. It's a bill. I'll take care of it. George, I'll bet that letter's from a girl. I told you it isn't. Now let me alone. Well, you don't have to get huffy about it. For your information, that letter... Oh, is from me. Oh, now, don't cry, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, Katie, there is another woman in George's life. You should have seen the guilty look on his face. But you wanted him to think it was from someone else. Sure, I wanted him to think it was from someone else. But he thinks it's from someone else. And now back to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. As we return to the Coopers, Liz is burning up about the supposed other woman in George's life. 
She gave George an old love letter she wrote, and he mistakenly thought it was from his new secretary who has a silly crush on him. Well, right now, George has shut himself in the den to use the phone. Hello? Hello, Mr. Atterbury. This is George Cooper. Uh, yes, Cuddles? <laughs> I'm not Cuddles. I'm Coopy Whoopy now. Well, what can Uncle Woodolf do for you? <laughs> Uncle Woodolf can look for a new vice president if he doesn't get me a new secretary. Gladys just sent me a mushy letter, special delivery. Did she use bank stamps? <laughs> How should I know? The point is, I'm liable to get into trouble unless I get a new secretary. I don't want to go through the whole mess of trying to explain to Liz that this is innocent. She's suspicious already. I'd like give my eye teeth to know who he's talking to on the phone in there. Do you suppose it's her? Her who? You know her who? Her! <laughs> Why did he close the door? There's always the keyhole. Oh, Katie, do you think I'd stoop to listening at the keyhole? Yes. You're right. <laughs> but the darn key's in it, and you can't hear a thing. I can't just open the door and listen. That would be eavesdropping. You have to have a reason. Come on, give me a reason. <laughs> it's pretty hot in there. Do you think he needs air? No, it's got to be better than... I know. Of course, the dog's in there and wants out. Quiet now. Your boy, your boy. Now, Mrs. Cooper. What? I just thought of something. What? You don't have a dog. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, I already had the door open. No use closing it now, is there? Frankly, Mr. Atterbury, the situation is getting out of hand. Well, he's telling Mr. Atterbury all about it. You see, I'm pretty sure Liz already suspects something's going on, so there's just one thing to do. I'm going to get rid of her. <laughs> he's going to get rid of me. Oh, no. I'd like to make it as painless as possible. <laughs> First thing Monday morning, I'll ask her to leave. Well... At least there won't be any bloodshed. Now, well, I'll tell her you arranged for a transfer. Transfer? What does he expect me to do, go to Reno on a streetcar? Yeah, that's right. Joe Ridgely can have her, and I'll take his. He's going to trade me in on a later model. There must be some explanation. Shh. All right, Mr. Atterbury. I'll call Gladys right now and tell her I'm going to make the change. Gladys? <gasps> yes, I have her number upstairs in my wall. Yeah, well, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Get out of the way, Katie. Here he comes. Get out of the way. I can't. My apron's caught on the doorknob. <laughs> Here, take what's left of it and start dusting. I'll be reading the book. Oh. oh, hi, George. I didn't know you were in there. You didn't? What are you doing? Oh, I just reading a book. Oh, to uh, improve your vocabulary? Yes, yeah, uh, I'm improving my vocabulary. <laughs> well, you certainly picked the right book for it. Yes, this man writes well. Uh, you ought to read this book sometime. It's called um, The Dictionary. <laughs> oh, 
Webster's one of my favorite writers. Uh, well, <laughs> you see, I have Yeah, well, been... tell me later. There's something important I have to take care of, Ivy. Come on, Katie. He'll be back in, when he gets that phone number. Come on, where? We're going to hide in the den and listen while George talks to that, that Gladys. We're going to hide? Yes, you're going to be my witness. Witness for what? I don't know, but it's always a good idea. Come on. <laughs> now, now, we'll hide in the... Oh, gee, there isn't any place. Oh, I hear him coming. Quick, into the closet. No. Yes. Oh, gee, it's dark in here. Are you comfortable, Katie? As comfortable as anyone can be who's straddling a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, dear. Can you hold out for a minute? It's all right, Mrs. Cooper. I used to have a boyfriend who owned a motorcycle. <laughs> Gee, I wish he'd hurry up. It's so dusty in here. <laughs> Bless you. Thanks. Quiet. There he goes. He's calling Gladys. Hello, Gladys? This is Cuddle. <laughs> I may be sick. <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you at home, Gladys, but I can't go on like this. The beast. I've decided to do something about it, Gladys. That's exactly what I've decided. Here it comes. Well, in, in a way, I'll be sorry to lose. Huh. She didn't last as long as I did. <laughs> well, I'll admit you did have the makings of a good secretary, but... You don't seem to realize that I'm very much in love with my wife. He admits it. He admits he's in love with his wife. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I don't care what they told you in business school. I love my wife. We're <laughs> completely devoted and trust each other implicitly. Aww. She's charming and, and beautiful. And I'd be crazy to even look at another woman. Oh. Gee, did you hear that, Katie? He said, sir. Oh, bless you, Gladys. <laughs> oh, because you sneeze. Oh? Oh, well, the operator must be listening in. <laughs> Well, I think if you really understand the situation, I could give you another chance. Are you sure you do? Gee, he said I was charming and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Katie, I was so wrong about everything. You mustn't ever find out I've been spying and suspicious. You promise? Can I have next Sunday off? Yes, yes. How about that raise? Oh, you blackmailer. Where's your sporting blood? <laughs> I promise my lips are sealed. Well, that's a much healthier attitude. As a matter of fact, Gladys, uh, I think it would help if you had a talk with Liz. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like her to meet you, too, if you're going to be my secretary. Oh, some other time, some other time. Now, wait, I'll call her to the phone. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> Liz! Hey, Liz, where are you? Don't even breathe, Katie. Liz! I'm going to try something. Did you call me, George? Yes, where are you? I'm up in the attic. 
Hey, you don't sound like you're up there. <laughs> well, go up and, I mean, come up and see. Come on down. I want you to... Oh, I'll come up. For a minute, I thought I was... <laughs> Liz? Katie? That excuse came from the closet. Oh, quick, Katie. Plug the vacuum cleaner into the light switch. What for? Don't ask questions. Go ahead. Liz, what are you and Katie doing in the closet? Now, that's it, Katie. Get into every corner. We don't want any dirt in this house. Liz, will you please explain? Spring cleaning, George. Can't have dirty closets, you know. Don't forget the shelf, Katie. I'll get the floor. We'll mop up the side. Yes, Lucy? What's the score tonight? Robert, you rescue a poor girl who has been shipwrecked on a desert island for seven years. I am that poor girl. I haven't seen a human being in seven years. I've come to rescue you. Look at me. I haven't seen a human being in seven years. What do I look like? That's a very good question. You're a mirage. I am not. Yes, you are. I'm a real, honest-to-goodness, red-blooded human man. Ooh. <laughs> Come here, you. Now, wait a minute. Oh, I'm so happy to be rescued. It's so nice to have a man around the island. <laughs> well, let me tell you everything that's happened back home while you've been here. All right. But there's only one thing that's important. What is it? Do they still have... Yes. They do. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. <laughs> Tell me, is it still delicious, light, and tempting? Yes, and uh, and they still call it Jello Vanilla Tapioca Pudding. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> about jello chocolate tapioca. Well, it's so rich, the kids say it's candy good. Oh, bless their little heart. And jello orange coconut tapioca is a wonderful blend of refreshing orange and tropical coconut. And I'll bet they're still easy, too. And only take about five minutes to prepare. Right, and I brought some with me. That should make you happy. Oh, it does. It does. 
and why are you crying? It's so nice to have a pudding around the eye. Oh, good. Friends, the retailers of America have just celebrated a half century of progress, a half century of public service, and they've also just completed a week of outstanding cooperation with American businessmen to celebrate this significant milestone. Every one of us can be proud of the great material strides taken in the last several decades to double our output for every hour we work and increase our annual income. We've enjoyed a steadily rising standard of living as a nation, and we have preserved all of our precious, hard-won freedoms. Yes, our American economic system has brought greater material means for happiness to more people than any other system the world has ever known. So, congratulations to the retailers of America for helping to boost the good things in our American way of life. Let's remember that the better we all produce, the better we all live. <laughs> Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week, presented by J.P.L.L. Oh, big red letters stand for the devil family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the devil family. That's Jello. Yum, yum, yum. Jello pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jello crack. The Oka pudding's just Bob Lamont speaking. <laughs> Listen again next Sunday at the same time to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Mr. and Mrs. North, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.